Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things that you can buy that will actually help you become a better deer hunter, or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This reason is why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current course setup consists of the Phantom saddle, Tethered one sticks, and the Predator platform, and along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to TetheredNation.com. If you're like me, you spend a lot of time pouring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times are to hunt. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience tailored for hunters and stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery, all at my fingertips. I've had an opportunity to use the desktop version last year and have been using the iOS app this season, and it has replaced all my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today, or head to your iOS or Android app store and download it today. This podcast is brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. Skull Brew Coffee roasts premium single-origin coffee, guaranteeing to deliver the freshest coffee directly to your doorstep. The kicker? They're 2% for conservation certified and donate 10% of their proceeds back to organizations who support the interests of our hunting community. So go to SkullBrewCoffee.com and pick up one of their three killer roasts and fuel your hunt and fill more tags with Skull Brew Coffee. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 258. Today, we're covering filling buck tags on highly pressured Pennsylvania public land, so stay tuned.
right, all right, all right. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you are doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. Hopefully you are fully recovered from the the holiday weekend, uh, the Thanksgiving Day weekend. Hopefully your your food coma has subsided and you've been able to get back to get back to normal. Hopefully all the uh, folks out there that are uh, my Pennsylvania brothers and sisters that were enjoying the opening of gun season. Hopefully you guys found some success. Uh, I, on the other hand, was doing some family duties. Um, didn't get a chance to get it. I actually went out and pulled a bunch of cameras uh, just to kind of get them out of the timber uh, as the uh, as the gun season kind of is, is upon us. And usually during the course of the year, this is kind of the, um, uh, I'll say like the two-week break I kind of take because I usually just get back from a hunting trip. You know, this year just got back from Kansas, you know, last week. And uh, usually the gun season is the time I take to kind of catch up on things at home, things that I've, you know, either didn't finish or needed to finish before I left and didn't get a chance to before my trip. So that's actually what I'm doing now, trying to finish up my basement, trying to get that thing wrapped up, get prepared for Christmas, get the tree up, do all that kind of good stuff. I will sneak out every so often during gun season, take my bow, you know, during the course of the week, maybe before work or whatever, whenever the, when there's not a ton of folks out and things of that nature. But I really just kind of, uh, take a pause and then get ready to get after it for the late season. Cause I will, I still have a PA tag to try to fill and intend to do that. And the bummer is, is I pulled some cards and you know, as, uh, as has come become kind of customary, I got the old okie doke, uh, from a particular deer that I was chasing where again, missing him by a day. I was there <laughs> the day before, you know, on a Friday after work hunting him. And then, uh, he, he came through and hit that particular scrape the next morning at like nine o'clock broad daylight on the 23rd of, of October. And so, and then I missed him by a day again in another spot. Uh, I think I hunted the 27th or the 29th. I can't remember which it was, but he showed up on the 28th. And so I've missed him two different times by a day in two different spots. So, you know, hoping he makes it through gun season cause he's quite the looker. And if he doesn't get killed this year, he'll be, be a hammer next year, but I'm not going to belabor this up front. Uh, Going to go ahead and just jump into today's podcast, but do have two things to kind of pass along to you guys before I get started. Uh, First thing is we have the holiday deals that are kind of going on, and Skull Brew Coffee Company is running a deal as well. So you can head over to SkullBrewCoffee.com, use the promo code CM20 to get yourself a deal that is going to run through just the end of this week. And it is actually just with the inventory that is available. So once this stuff is gone, it is gone for the time being. And then also you can head over to, uh, or you can head to my Instagram page and click on the shop, uh, on the shop, on the shop button, or you can head to truthfromthestand.com and head to the merch tab and check out the truth merch. You can use the promo code TFTS 21 there and get yourself some savings, pick up some gifts, for the holiday season. So with that, got a cool shirt for you guys today. Got my buddy Aaron Hepler on. Actually have him at the house. Uh, he came over He came over and just paid a visit. We sat in the studio over my, a.k.a. my uh, home office and recorded this this podcast. Aaron had a killer season, killed a great buck. Um, you know, the thing with Aaron is, man, is that, you know, for those of you that maybe haven't heard him on a previous podcast, you know, he's been doing a ton of writing on the Truth From Stan blog as well. So if you haven't read any of his articles, I'd head over there and check those articles out because they've been, you know, he's done a killer job with those. But Aaron scouts a ton during the offseason. I mean, he probably scouts. I would be hard pressed to find someone that I know that scouts more than him. Maybe Jake Bush would be the only person I could think of that probably scouts puts more miles on his boots than Aaron does. Um, and it shows cause Aaron's always seems to be in deer in this particular, 
you know, hunt this year. He killed a great deer on public land. He had a little bit of history with this deer, knew this deer was there. Um, he's hunting a piece that was really kind of high pressure. And this is something Greg and I've talked about in the past when you're hunting places like New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Michigan, stuff like that. If you're deterred by hunting pressure and human sign, you're going to have a hard time probably finding setups. And so Aaron did a great job of kind of not letting that deter him, you know, knowing this particular piece was probably going to get some pressure and just kind of finding the hidey holes within, in and around the pressure to have some really great encounters and have some really great hunts. And that's what we talk about today. So with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into today's podcast. And as always, I want to thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm getting spoiled, man, because I've had a chance to do a couple of these in person with my buddies, which doesn't happen all that often, but I'm joined at my my domicile, Casa de Campbell. La Casa. Yeah. Um, with my good buddy, Aaron Hepler. Those are the dulcet tones on the other mic. What's going on, buddy? Good to see you, man. Good to see you too, man. Welcome to welcome to the crib. To the crib. Yeah, man. I don't invite very many people out here. You know, I'm a little bit I of a invited hermit. myself. Yeah, you did. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you and Litzinger are the only two that have ever actually had out to that out to the house. Ah, that's not true. Wilson. Wilson was the other one. So there's only ever been three people make it to my my home studio. I think it's gonna be have to be a New Year's resolution. Greg, Greg, we're coming to do a do a podcast with Clint. Yeah, there you go. We'll have listener. <laughs> you can't bring him in. He just ruins things. <laughs> it's like the place is a mess when he leaves. Yes. Like, no. We're crashing your basement. That's right. That's right. It's a uh, it, he and I usually do a swap every year. It's like every we go back and forth and the, for whatever reason it works out to like the summer I'm usually at his place. Mm-hmm. Usually because I'm having him tune my bow. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's like so I take it over there and he tunes it we shoot. And then usually Sometime in the winter, you know, so probably like, it, I don't know if it's like February, March or something like that. He usually comes out here and then we do like a scouting session together and like a day of podcasts and, and stuff like that. Very cool. Last time I hammered him pretty hard and had like the four hour. Did that pod- four hour yeah, uh, it was like Q&A. Yeah, it was crazy. That, I think that was the longest part. Pod- like I like podcasting and that was enough for me. I was like, yeah, I'm done. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> you can go home now. That's right. So, uh, so what's been going on in your world, man? Are you ready for it? Well, first, before we start, let me be the first to wish you a happy Thanksgiving because we're recording this Thanksgiving week. That's right. I probably won't talk to you. Fa- well, I certainly won't talk to you face to face over Thanksgiving. So, well, happy Thanksgiving. Happy early Thanksgiving, man. You got big plans? Uh, no, actually, um, you know, I told you we, we just sold our house. So, we're going to be, uh, doing thanksgiving with my parents and low-key we usually actually throw thanksgiving so oh it's you do like, yeah we usually Whoa. yeah the last like eight years it's been thanksgiving at our house so it's kind of nice uh that's a lot of responsibility yeah that's more responsibility than i want yeah yeah 20 people in your house every year for yeah so it's nice you know yeah. megan little. would kill me like, <laughs> we did uh we used to do thanksgiving on our own all the time and it's just you know a lot of cooking and cleaning mm-hmm. you know not much of a vacation for her, no. you know, over, over that holiday. Um, so we typically go back home and my dad now is retiring and is moving back from North Carolina to Pennsylvania. I was mm-hmm. telling you about that. Yep. And so now I have, we have all three sets of parents Nice, all within like, yes and no. All three sets of parents, about 40 minutes. My mom and my dad now live like 10 minutes, 15 minutes apart. And okay. then Megan's family lives like maybe 25, 30 minutes away from my dad, okay. roughly. So now it's like we got to try to hit all three, mm-hmm. and there's just like 
Oh yeah. That's, yeah. Oof. Yeah. You know, it's like, so you add like another layer before it was like Thanksgiving was really just like the, the two. So it's like one in the morning, you know, lunch one yeah. in the afternoon, you know, good to go. And now it's like, you know, there's a whole thing. Cause it's like, now I, you know, we take the dog with us, but my mom doesn't allow dogs. And then what do I do with the dog, you uh, know, and I can't leave her, leave the dog at Megan's parents because they're going to have like 20 some odd people and he'll just be, he'll go crazy, yeah. you know? And I'm like, so I got to drop the dog off at my dad's, go to my mom's for lunch and come back to dad's for hors d'oeuvres and drinks. And then go back to my wife's p- parents place for like a late dinner. Cause everyone shows back up for like seconds or leftovers mm-hmm. in, in the evening, do that. And then I'm just coming home Friday. Like I'm busy. Not, yeah. I'm not even staying the weekend. I was yeah, like, you know busy. what? We're going to just go ahead and bounce <laughs> and blow out of town. Are you going, are you going out this weekend to hunt? No, I actually, I I'm not, I was going to actually hunt with my dad. Um, cause that retirement piece, or he built a cabin, okay. built a really nice cabin. Nice. Um, where he's retiring to, um, he and my stepmom, and, um, he's got like 60 acres there and I've hunted it like several years ago and I've talked about it. Um, I haven't, I haven't hunted it in probably three years. I mm-hmm. don't think, um, uh, no, that's a lie. Two years ago, I hunted it opening day of gun season with him because he yeah. was up. You have some cameras there too. I think you had said. I have one there now. Yeah. I basically took them all down because I just don't drive back often enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't even check it this year. You know, my cousin has hunted the property a couple of times. I know there's a big deer that's been there last year and it seems like he made it and he was there again this year. Okay. I just haven't gone back to hunt. But my, anyway, my, I usually try to hunt opening day with my dad. I take my bow. He takes his gun. Yeah. And then we hunt together because we don't get a chance to do that very often. Um, but we have some family in Maryland and he's been going to Maryland to like bear hunt and deer hunt the past yeah. couple of years. And so he still has a tag for Maryland. So okay, he's headed back down there on Saturday or I probably Friday. I think he'll mm-hmm. hunt like, well, he'll, he's hunting at least Saturday. I don't know what season's coming in to hunt that he's going down for. Cause I feel like deer season already opened down there, but he's hunting bear and deer essentially okay. in Maryland. So nice. I'm probably not going to hunt the opener. Um, a little, I'm a little, uh, I'm not afraid to admit it. A little burned out after like oh, the. Oh, <laughs> I don't blame you. You did the two week straight almost. Yeah, after the after the two week trip, that's always like a butt kicker for me, man. That's like when I get back, I'm usually good. Like I usually come back, and usually it's the first two weeks of November, so I I will hunt that like this the, yeah right. this week or right. last week and this week you know whenever I would get back typically, but I went a little later this year. Um, so essentially, it's like I'm not hunting until gun season is over and then yeah. I'll go back out for late season and we'll talk about late season plans here yeah. in a little oh, bit. But speaking of burnout, I mean, burnout was a real for a lot of people this year, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people were on that struggle bus. It was a, yeah. It was the talk of the town. I try to, you know, I feel like this year I did a better job of kind of, at least at home here hunting strategically. Yeah. Like, cause and you had a lot of good encounters. I did. Yeah. yeah. I can't complain about that. No. You know, it's like, cause years past I would go out just like, beginning of the year I'd start burning it at both ends and just yeah. like going after it. And then by like mid October, I'm like, I'm burnt. Uh, yeah. I'm like, man, I need a break. <laughs> like I've been getting after it like for like four weeks already, you know, this year I was a lot smarter about, you know, high quality sits yeah. and stuff like that. And they were paying off for me, um, early. And then, you know, the two weeks in Kansas was just like, that's a marathon, you know, it's just like, yeah. you've got two weeks, you got yeah, a set absolutely. amount of days and you're just trying to get after it. Right. Every and day. you're not home. So you're, your whole goal in a place like that is to hunt, hunt, hunt. Like you're not all stopping. day, every day. Yeah. Right. And it was just, it was, it was different. Like there were times, you know, maybe I should do a separate podcast on this, but there were times where it was like, you know, like almost like, I don't know. It's like, I had this sense of guilt. Like I wasn't hunting like hard enough. 
because there's a lot of like driving that's involved out there, like yeah. and just glassing and looking and stuff like that. And that just was something I wasn't used like it's used to, or it's not like that here. Right. Yeah, exactly. Here. It's like, if you're going to go, like there were pieces that we would just drive around and qualify and be like, yep. And we wouldn't even set foot on it necessarily. You yeah. know, And we spent like probably two days just doing that. And some pieces you would get out and you'd walk. Right. A lot of pieces you would just drive and be like, uh, yeah. doesn't, doesn't yeah. look good on the map. And I can't like what I'm seeing from the road doesn't look great. And there's just like a small chunk of timber. Right. You know, or there's a, a truck park there and it's like, man, this piece is going to hunt so small. If there's one person in there, it's like too many. Right. You know, type right. of thing. Right. So it was a little bit different, but I'm, I've already made plans in my mind that I'm going to go back next year. Nice. Like I'm hell bent on doing it. Cause I think Chad's going to draw Iowa next year. And so then I'll be, um, since we hunt together, we'll be off schedule for that one year for our five year plan. And right. then I'll go back out to Kansas most likely as long as I can, as long as I can, uh, procure myself a tag but let's change the uh the topic here and talk a little bit about what aaron hepler's got going on man so you know what's new in your world aside from buying houses and selling houses <laughs> and, and doing all that stuff dude it's been a good year i had a i had a great fall um you know uh starting out from the early season it you know i had i i did i did I mean, I didn't see as many deer as I normally do maybe, mm -hmm. but for me, I was pretty satisfied with my season. Um, I mean, you know, it's been a, been grinding at it since like February or March, just scouting yeah. a couple of times, you know, if I, you know, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I'm a nurse, so I get all those built in days off. Yeah, and, you do. Um, you know, trying, you know, during the spring to at least go out, you know, once a week for, you know, anywhere between four and six hours, if possible, if not a, like a whole day or two. Right. Um, you know, during peak sets, like good shed hunting time and stuff. So, yeah. um, the early season really, really, I thought for me was great. I didn't, um, usually I'm trying to like hone in on the does and, you know, mm -hmm. shoot something early, but, um, I actually didn't even hunt a place that I had a tag for a doe until, well, actually until the, that, sunday hunt um i shot a doe that right uh, pa sunday hunting it's a good thing it's a good thing we, we <laughs> like it i didn't it's i'm always gone during you know what i mean i think yeah. I, I got a chance to do it i think one time yeah you know? yeah so yeah so i shot a doe on that but before that i hadn't hunted a spot where i could even uh, shoot a doe yet mm -hmm. um so you know yeah it's it's been a great season i had a really great encounter in the early part of october um with one of the bucks that we had on camera and you know, October has been great. It was a weird year. The acorns, they were crazy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So did you have, I, I don't remember if we even talked about this. I know, I think I had mentioned to you that I was finding acorns pretty plentiful they in, were, in some of these areas here, but were you, did you have just a pile of them too? Yeah. 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 It was weird how they were like the, you would. So if you would get in, you could find a place that had like maybe 10 white oaks and it would be like the ground would be covered in acorns. Yeah. Then you find like one or two and you're like, Oh, this is good. Cause they're, they're kind of isolated, mm -hmm. but they wouldn't be productive. Right. So I don't know what that means. What but, the ebb and flow that is like, why some are dropping this year versus right. not. This Cause I've seen it in years where they all drop. Right. And then it's a real mess. Yeah. But I mean, we had zero acorns last year, the year before there were a few, the year before that there were loads. And that was one of those years where everything dropped. But I think with the with the two previous years before this year, 
you know, you get used to seeing those patterns from like, oh, there's no acorns. So the deer are like on this. Right. And those deer are in those patterns. You get used to that. And then when there's acorns, you're like, what, what happened? We're, right. we're, you know, that's the tricky thing with October. And that's, yeah. you know, a lot of the stuff that I had cameras on this year where I had some really good deer and last year, you know, some of them disappeared and stuff like that. And this year I got them into October, yeah. you know, later. Um, and that's the thing that I have to remind myself was like, so last year it's like acorns were squadoosh yeah. in this section and it's, it's a good primary scrape, but I, last year it got abandoned like really early. When I say early, I'm talking like beginning of September, like mm-hmm. it gets hit all winter, all spring. Mm-hmm. And then basically gets a aban- got abandoned like sometime in September and just yeah. like nothing. Right. Mm. This year it got abandoned again, but it stuck around to like mid October. Right. And it was because there was a pile of acorns in there. Yeah. And so it's like, it's one of those things you have to remind yourself when you're looking at your camera inventory, especially around, you know, primary scrape areas because primary scrape areas oftentimes outside bedding somewhere, most likely and yeah. or bedding slash near a potential food source too, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that was kind of what that one was. So depending on like the drop, it, what I'm learning now is going to really dictate how, long that spot stays viable as a hunting opportunity. Right. And it didn't dawn on me until I think like the second hunt I had at that spot where I was like, this is really only going to be good to like mid October and it's going to be done. Yeah. And so I have to remember that going forward on years where it drops that big deer I was trying to kill was pretty active in there. Like the first two weeks of October. Yeah. And I was just kind of watching, trying to wait till he hit like the right daylight time. Yeah. And I probably waited, I waited too long. Yeah. I was too conservative on him because I thought he would stick around and, and he, and he just didn't. And I probably had like a two week window where he was killable in there. And then that was, that was about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I had like some of my cell cams were popping off in, in the same areas where I had them last year within two or three days of each other. Right. Even though there were acorns. And I think that just has to do with how it's pinched. And also there's acorns there plus other food. Right. So I think that, ha- you know, that that's a benefit too. What I did realize with, you know, I told you that I pulled some cams uh, last week. I pulled them out before our rifle season opens here because um, they were in areas they're they're going to get stolen there. So low hanging fruit yeah, areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I did notice is, is some of the areas where we were getting really great velvet pictures in July, you know, tapered off towards the middle week in September. Mm-hmm. And I think the area that it was in is probably like near you know near clear cut like loaded with berries and stuff and they're eating all that stuff in the summer taper off towards the middle of september but then i did notice that there was a lot of stuff that was coming back towards the end of the first week of october Hmm. in there a lot tapered off again and um you know actually um there were a couple pictures in the beginning what i like maybe a november Mm first through the fourth where there was a lot of chasing through there right so it was, it's kind of weird how that kind of ebbed and flowed, but I wonder, right. you know, those changing food sources in that clear cut, um, depending on how the browse is, that's might be something they're interested in at that point in time too. Yeah. It's, and I'm interested now you mentioned that at Livonia, I want to, mm-hmm. I want to get up there and check that one camera I have on that, that road by that, by that cut. Yeah. Um, the one that we got all those hammers on. When well, we no, 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 the one on the mountain. Okay. Yeah. Um, where we're getting all the velvet pictures. Yep. Yep. Um, because that kind of happened in that that cut as well. It's like awesome velvet. When I pulled it, whatever it was, like first week, I think, of October, it had all kind of dried up. 
Yeah. And I know there's food in there. So it just, a ma- it was a matter of like, all right, acorns are dropped, have dropped. They've transitioned. I'm just curious if they ever transitioned back. Yeah. You know, um, if they did, I think I have a camera placed in a prime spot to kind of, absolutely to kind of catch them. And that'll yeah. be great kind of information for next year. But the other thing that's interesting about that, that ebb and flow, it's like that would make a lot more like trying to decipher why that happened at that spot where it's like, okay, you had all the berries and stuff early food transitioned early October, the kind of tr- filter transition back, which yep. says like they probably ate a lot of the white Oaks already that were in that general area. Right now they're kind of coming back for whatever browse might be in there. Then right. they disappear and then they come back chasing there's cover bedding yep. or whatever. It would make a lot more sense to me if, the leaves fell early this year mm-hmm. and they were headed back to the cut for cover early yep. in that October time frame. Yep. Right. Like we had a like an early hard frost or right. something like that. But we didn't. But we didn't. Yeah. Like the leaves held around here to like I mean, a lot of leaves were holding still whenever I was getting ready to leave like this beginning of the second week of November. I mean, like, they're still not all No. You know, I I mean they're not, there's no color anymore, but they, but they still, but there's still like foliage yeah. and breakup on, right. on trees and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause that's the one thing too, is like when they start to transition, when the cover starts to drop in the timber, it's like, if the cover ain't dropping, mm-hmm. you know, they don't necessarily have a reason to transition, you know, if there's food in a particular area, right. You know, exactly. Um, especially as pressure increases through the month of October and stuff yeah. like that, you know, food becomes especially for bucks becomes less of a priority as mm-hmm. the season goes, cover becomes more the priority and then right. travel and starting to get their ducks in a row, yep. you know, for late October, yep. you know, becomes the, the priority. So yeah, it, that was the, one of the things I, I had a lot of driving to do. So I, I had a lot of time to think yeah. <laughs> about the deer woods. And it was one of the things I was thinking about was just like, man, there's a lot of leaves on the trees still, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, as I was driving through, I was noticing it yeah. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, man, so we talked a little bit about your season, a little bit about, you know, what you were seeing in terms of like the food transitions and stuff like that. I want to dive into this, to this buck that you killed and, and talk about that because first off, I was super stoked for you Two, It's not super common necessarily, at least in my group of friends where it's like someone watches a deer you know, or has inventory of yeah. a deer and ends up capitalizing and, and shooting it and playing the game. Not that the area wasn't right, but like right. The, just that particular deer didn't come through. Like maybe a different one came through and you right. stuck an arrow in it or whatever. Um, so I just want to talk about that a little bit. Like, I guess let's start at the beginning, like scouting this spot, finding this place, like where you're ultimately going to hunt, you know, let's just start there. How did you find it? What does, and what does it look like? Right. So um, we talk about clear cuts all the time. Yeah. So, Right off the bat, like that's one of my favorite things to hunt. Um, I think as far as big woods goes, like I, I think the game commission does an okay job of putting some food plots in and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. That you know, there there's some of that stuff here and um there is some game lands that have some big ag, but I not that they're terrible hunting, they actually can be really good. I but um they're just not my thing. Right. Yep. So um so this particular clear cut in my impression, it has always been pretty highly pressured. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been like, yeah, it's, you know, I see like hot hand wrappers there and soda cans there. And, you know, like uh, grouse hunters are going through here, there. And right. so I know that it's pressured and it's not far off access, right? Like um, it, it's a distance into the game lands, but it's, it's close to 
something that's walkable and right. that people yeah. are some, not gonna have to put a lot of effort to necessarily right. get to a point Which, to get into the timber. A lot of clear cuts lend themselves to that, right? Because they have some kind of two track leading to them or some whatever right. the service road. That's how the logging trucks get in there, or whatever. Yeah. Like that's how most game lands in Pennsylvania are when you yeah. And to even when cuts. you get out of state, it's similar to it's similar right. in a lot of places where it's like just know, like in Ohio or yeah. whatever, wherever you're hunting. It, it's the same thing. They, there's mm-hmm. some kind of access in there for, for equipment, equipment at one point or other, whenever yeah. that happened, whenever that occurred. Right. So I actually had hunted, I, I, I shot a buck, um, maybe four years ago in the same general area. Um, maybe like a mile away from mm-hmm. spot to spot. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I had hunted this clear cut a couple times in the early part of the season, just because it's, in the early season, it's hot as balls and it's, it's, it's hard to get back there. Like yeah. you, you're drained by the time you get back into this area. And, um, I've hunted it in the early season a few times. And, uh, last year I had some really good encounters along the edge of this cut. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I, I'd really like to pick that apart some more. And I had a really good spring get out there. And I, I think I scouted it maybe twice in February and twice in March where mm-hmm. I took, you know, now, were you scouting the same areas, or were you picking different pieces of it apart I was, at different so times? So this this clear cut is three hundred and fifty. It's big. It, oh wow, that it's is a very big, cut. big right? Yeah. Like it's it's a big cut, and so I I did do different areas, right? Like I would mm-hmm. do a, a north side of this cut. I, I almost broke it up in maybe four four pieces, um, and I probably spent you know somewhere between six and eight hours every time I was out there. In the different sections. Yeah, right. Which is good because, I mean, also sets up to hunt for different winds too. Right, exactly. And you need to like, you also need to pick, you know, all right, so different winds and what terrain features are you going to hunt on when you're on these sides, right? Because maybe you'll find this little little niche where wind works really good for you and works really good for the deer. Right. Um, You know, when you're in mountains and anything makes a little ditch, it's going to pull into that, your thermals pull into that ditch most of the time. Right. So, you know, if your wind's not consistent, you know where your wind's going. Right. So that's, you know, important around cuts like this. But I did, I had a few encounters. I've had a couple encounters in, in part of this cut where I was like, oh, you know, I like going in there in the early season. It's a, it's a good place to burn a sit and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So this year I was like, I don't know, man, like I saw a pretty, you know, last year I was hunting in there and I saw 20 deer on the edge of a clear cut. And a lot. six of them were bucks. Like, yeah, they're not big, but like, you know, a couple spikes, three pointer, but I did see one that was like, like 115 inch buck on the first, mm-hmm. on the opening morning. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll take it. Yeah. yeah for if, sure. I, if I see a 115 inch buck on the, I've never shot a buck on the first day. I'm shooting him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so, um, so I went back into this place and, uh, and really picked it apart and I found, found five sheds in there that five or six sheds in there this year and um four of them were were i'm like oh that'd be a good buck next good year. sheds like yeah, yeah. It's, it's gonna be a pope buck next year right so um and some of them were old too like one or two of them were older so i'm like mm-hmm. oh you know this this place obviously has some kind of history like there's bucks going through here right lot. if you're finding old sheds new sheds you yeah. know what i mean it's like it just bucks like to hang around there yeah exactly Um, so I ended up finally getting into the back, into the, uh, I want to call it the 
southeastern part of this cut and I really started to find like a lot of what I wanted to see. A lot of nice in and out of the cut, a lot of nice in the woods on the side of the cut, a lot of nice in the cut. Um, you know, I've talked about it in some of the articles that I've written or whatever that um, there's a lot of those deep tire treads where the water just kind of lays. Mm -hmm. Sucks for mosquitoes, but deer really like it. Yep. Um, you can put your hand in that stuff in the summertime. It's cold, right? right? Like, um, and you get a breeze on there and the bugs are gone. You know, yep. deer really like it. There's a lot of, bra obviously it's a clear cut. There's brows everywhere. Right. Um, cover out the walls. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, I think you and I have talked about it, but a deer in a clear cut in Pennsylvania could jump 30 yards and just lay right back down. Disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like a ghost. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I just, I spent a lot of time picking this apart and I found a scrape line in this, um, Southeastern edge, right. Found a scrape line, found a lot of nice, uh, uh, contour and just different point. A lot of different stuff. Right. A lot of Was stuff. It, is there, you know, cause I, I, you know, even though you and I live relatively close together, it's like, I've never been to this place, you know? Yeah. So was there, was there like. I don't want to say significant, but was there noticeable topography and or like different elevations or, you know, talk to me just a little bit about that. So it's, so it's not like a spine back in Ohio. Okay. Right. Yeah. But it's also not like where we're at in Livonia either. It's right. not like a flat mount. I mean, you know, so, so I would say like, maybe it's a little sloping, but once you get out to the edge, you actually have like a military crest. Okay. But a lot of the so nice, hunt, it would hunt almost like hill country then a little it bit. It hunts like hill country. A lot of the nice thing though is, is when you're out like this, this area that I found with a scrape line, really the terrain, it actually was like, ended up being two different kinds of vegetation met. Right. And one of them was a really thick, like you could look at it in with the leaves off the trees and it was a straight line. Hmm. Right. And you could see the trails running up and down the line and in and out of the line. And in that area, there's a lot of different uh, l different like rolling terrain in there mm -hmm. and you can't see it on topo. Okay. So you have to be on foot. To those see are, it. yeah, those are little gem spots, man. It's like whenever you find things like that to where it's like, you don't know it until like you're yeah. on it. Yeah. For a couple reasons. Well, for one main reason is a lot of other people don't notice it or don't see it. If exactly. they're just looking at the map. Exactly. You know? So, so what, what's cool about this is, so I'll, I'll, just stick with this day for now. So I did, I found like these, I, that day in particular, I found three sheds that were know, like 54 inches, 52 inches, like good sheds, you know? Yeah. I'm like, Oh, it's a good day, whatever. And I found a lot of what I wanted. A lot of little topo, a lot of little cover edges, scrape lines, found a couple water holes that you can't see from mm -hmm. aerial. Great, great stuff. Right. I'm like I'm going to kill a deer here like this. I'm going to kill a deer here. And, um, I get back out to the access and I start heading back to my truck and I see somebody else's gear and I'm like, Oh, somebody else out here. <laughs> that's always, that's always fun. Yeah. After so, a long day of scouting. <laughs> yeah. So we're, you know, I'm walking along and somebody comes up alongside me. Hey, how you doing? How's it going? <laughs> so Good, there's no deer here. <laughs> so this is a funny story. Cause actually we ended up talking like the entire way back, like the, I'm not going to say how far it was because it'll give some things away. Right. It was very long distance back to the truck. <laughs> right, right. So you guys had a nice long chat. Yeah. So we actually really hit it off and we're really good buddies now. We ended up hunting a lot oh, together. Nice. So um, uh, 
Dietrich's Outfitters. Follow him on Instagram. He's a cool dude. Nice. Um, Tunes bows, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, he's actually not far. He lives in Gilbertsville. Oh, we'll have to get together then. Yeah. Um, cool dude, man. So, um, so he and I hit it off. Uh, we hunted together a lot. I was like, you know. I, I told him some lies at first, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he's like, he got a gar he's hole like, until you know. I had these you know? sheds on me. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> I'm like, so I just brought these along. Yeah, like, I was I like, ah, you know, I was practicing my, I wanted, you know, see, see now, what the acoustics were you, out here. You said, like, I was just practicing sheds with the dog. I know, I should have brought it with me. I was like, ah, you know, just practicing the acoustics out here, making right. sure, you know, November. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm I, tuning the timber out here. <laughs> Get my sheds tuned. So I lied to him. I was like, oh, yeah, I found these. I did a whole, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he's, he's like, asking me all these questions, like, real nice guy. And, you know, we exchange phone numbers. And I'm like, oh, you know, we can at least be like, oh, what are you seeing? Yeah. But we actually got talking so much that we ended up being like, hey, let's go hang cameras together. You're going to hunt out there. I'm going to hunt out there. And eventually, sometime, sometime, I ended up telling him the truth. Like, yeah, I found these sheds in there. Right, right. <laughs> well, it's kind of like how... I mean, you and I met, and then you know, yeah. it with Tom, and it's like yeah. you know, you you find, uh, you know, if you can find a couple buddies that you all like, you don't have to hunt exactly the same, but you yeah, have like the it same, just clicks, same man. interests. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And you're not afraid to share information because you're not going to step on each other or whatever. You know, yeah. everyone's respectful of like if someone's going to hunt somewhere or whatever. But you trade information because you honestly want one of the guys you're with to to kill something. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Because I mean. I mean, I feel like me, you, and Tom, like we had like our text exchange going on like the yeah. whole time, and like you know, I'm getting cell camera pictures, sending them to him, like, "Hey, man, there's a, there's there's yeah. bucks cruising on this yeah. part of the this part of this mountain, <laughs> go, get or whatever, go get him or whatever." I know we're rooting for him so bad. Too. Yeah, we were. Yeah, still rooting for him. Yeah, yeah. Saturday. Yeah, but anyway. So yeah, so it was you know we were like, oh, let's go hang cameras together. We ended up hanging cameras in June. Um, so talk to me a little bit about your camera placements. Like what were you looking for in this particular, you know, area that you were going to hang, hang cameras? Yeah. Was it your so, typical, like, I mean, did you find community scrapes when you were out there scouting? Were you hanging them close to like rub lines? Were you finding beds? Like what was your, what was yeah. your strategy? So, so I want to say that day we were both out. I don't like, I think we maybe found some random beds that right. day. We actually did oddly enough. He was like 10 minutes behind me the entire time, probably 150 yards. Cause he showed me his track of where he went. I, like we were in the same spots the entire, oh, wow. I don't know how we didn't see each other in the woods, <laughs> but, um, we didn't find an overabundance of beds that day. So when we went back in June to hang some cameras, we ended up taking a route and found a, a betting point, right? Mm-hmm. Can't see it on topo. Like nice. you wouldn't know this is a point until you're, until you're on it. And then you're like, Oh yeah, maybe this is a little, it looks like, it just looks like the ridge turns, but it's not, it's a point. Right. So we ended up being like, okay, where can we get best like velvet inventory? Cause this is where all the bachelors are going to be. We can see like, it, I don't know, maybe there's not that many bucks up here. Like found all these You're sheds. still qualifying at this right, point. Right. So where can we find, the most deer in this spot. Like how can we determine this is a, this is a legit spot to hunt. So, you know, we found some summer food. Like I told you, deer love berries in in a clear cut in the summer, Mm -hmm. the poke berries, raspberry, whatever's out there. Yeah. And And we saw that in the, in the big woods uh that we were on. I mean, the the one area was covered in wild blueberries, raspberries, poke berry. And there there was just Livonia. Yeah. And there was just a glut of bucks mm-hmm. in that one particular area along with bears yeah but, bears yeah. lots of bears yeah 
This area didn't have a lot of bears. Probably. I had I had a hammer on camera just yesterday and one. Did like, you? Yeah, just in, like locally. Okay. You know, probably got pushed. Yeah, you know, it was probably a time I mean, photo. Tomorrow's the end of bear season, right? I think so. Saturday, yeah. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we hung cameras. We hung a few cameras out in a like almost an easily accessed spot into this cut. And um, made sure there's kind of a little bit of water source nearby and a lot of that kind of stuff. Summer food, like the pokeberry and raspberries, stuff like that. Um, and I think we hung three cameras out there. Um, and I hung a cell cam out there that didn't didn't pan out, didn't pan out so good for the cell cam. But um, at, going in from that, I don't, I, I usually don't move my cameras. And I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't because like I said, that one area... We ended up leaving them. I pulled those cameras last week, and it really ebbed and flowed. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I left it in there w- to, to see that. But I knew I would get a lot of velvet pictures out there in that part of the cut. And then, you know, moving in from that, we hung some on community scrapes on that scrape line. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I've showed you pictures of that scrape, too. That thing's like it was, tucked in. Yeah. And there's just, it's gnarly around it. And, yeah. Was that that really the big one that you sent me? Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's water right next to that. There's literally a water hole like two feet away from the scrape. And it's not always, doesn't always have water in it, mm-hmm. but it's not a puddle either, right? Like it, it'll hold water longer than almost any other like little feature rain driven right. water hole. Right. Yeah. So there's always, you know, we have a lot of pictures of deer like drinking out of it or whatever. So we put a camera in there and, um, you know, as we got out to this bedding point, we started, hanging cameras around that edge mm-hmm. um and just you know, kind not focusing just on the bedding but travel in in and out of the bedding right um we did think about hanging some on but i just i can't get into that yeah it, that's one of those things where it's like i always like the idea of it if it's a cell camera then maybe but man that's that's sacred that, ground. Yeah, and that's you know? pushing the line too for me. And do you really need it? I mean, make a cool, make a cool photo. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, you know, do you really need it though? You know. Yeah, and I. It's not unethical because it's not illegal, right? Right. Like if right. you're putting it, like putting it, of course, travel in and out of the bed, different. You're putting it over a bed that you think a buck is using all the time, and this is not like, this bedding area that we found is a used bedding area this isn't mm-hmm. one where they're like laying down getting up moving off and they might not lay back down there for weeks like they're laying there every day right i don't i i can't ever get into it where i'm like oh there's a buck there i'm going there tomorrow and then like right watching him oh he showed up now i stood up now i laid down now he's i i don't i right i know it's not illegal right yeah and well it, i mean with a cell camera it's you know i, I would be in the same, I guess, position as, as you, as far as for me, it's less of an ethical thing. I'm more of like, if I know where he's bedded and I know it's used that well, I really don't care. Right. Like to know exactly. Like, I just want to know when he's going to and from like what you know wind what I mean? and that kind of right. Thing. Because yeah. that's what I really need to know. You know what I mean? Cause I can't look just being honest. It's like being a working dude chances of me being able to act on like real time like a real time photo like that is like zero, (laughs) you know what I mean? So it doesn't do me any good. Like I need to know like the strategy of him using that bed to hunt him versus like, I know he's there right now because I probably can't go do anything about it. And I also, 
there is a part of me where it's like, I really don't want. Right. You take a little bit of the fun out of it. Yeah. I want right. to beat him at his own game. Exactly. I don't, I don't want to like, beat you don't him. want to trick him at his own game. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, so that was our, our camera strategy for that. And like I said, most of those areas really, um, focused on the ebb and the flow mm-hmm. of how the food went, especially because of the acorns this year. And he, he ended up, we ended up hanging two of his cell cams out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one, the one paid off, like I said, we, he was kind of after a particular buck cause he filmed that really, I showed yeah. you that really big nine pointer. He, he actually filmed that deer last year and was at full drawn it. And he was kind of like, Oh, you know, I'm kind of after this deer or whatever. And I mean, we had so many pictures of that deer and most of them were almost none of them were in the middle of the night, but most of them were like, hour before or hour after it got right and there was a few that we were like you would have 20 minutes to kill him right in spots we would have hunted right Mm -hmm. so he's in there somewhere right i mean we had we had a lot of pictures of him but we had a lot of other pictures too yeah um you know i think in velvet i'm not even i don't even i I can't count the bucks that we had on camera oh dude you had i mean you were showing me yeah. pictures of just I, I a multitude of, of yeah. hammers. Yeah. And know? I can't, I can't count them. I mean, we had, and minus the hammers, I mean, we had so many two-year-old, like eight, ba- like eight pointers. Which is great. I mean, so as long as, as long as they make it, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it just seems like an area. I mean, all the pictures you sent me, the hammers, and then, you know, I didn't necessarily get the pictures of like all the two-year-olds or whatever, but yeah, if that is what is going on in there, it's like, you've got a spot yeah. that year over as yeah. long as the food, I mean, it's going to be a little bit food dependent and yep. so on and so forth, but it should produce right. year over. And of course they peel off like those pictures tapered off as, you know, September sure. rolled around. We got, and they disperse and stuff right. like that. Yeah. And I was kind of like, well, how many of these big bucks do you think are going to, and, and it ended up like, I think we're only missing one. Wow. From, from the bigger ones that we had, you know, so we had, we had, I think we had five that we were really like, we could recognize Jazz them every though. time they yeah. would come on camera and be like, oh, there's that one. Yeah. You know? And, um, I, like I said, I ended up bumping into one of them in, in early October. Um, I was hunting kind of between two, like, like the red oak on one side, white oaks on the other. And I was hunting the middle of this little ditch that was between them. And I think I told you and Tom about this, but this deer, like, was coming up the center of this ditch and there was does that were going out both sides. Mm-hmm. And he started like coughing and like, like you could hear him scraping and rubbing trees. And I'm like, no, oh, there's big something. I mean, maybe it's a spike. I don't know. Right. Yeah. There's something going on down there. And the does kind of like got nervous and made a little noise out to my right. They were like maybe 75 yard. And he comes busting out of this brush he was in. And I'm like, nope, not a spike. <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> And I could, I mean, he, I'd run it at him and that was it. He was gone. Like he right. was chasing them up the hill. And yeah. I, I, I mean, like I said, I'm not going to say it's, oh, they're, but you know, it's October. They're, they're interested in something, you know, right. there's does over there. I'm going to check them out. Right. And he wound them up like an elk and chased them straight up the hill. You know, like that's just funny. Took them off, took them off. But, um, uh, yeah. So we did, we had, we had a lot of. A lot of good bucks on camera. Right. There. So you used the buddy system. Had a How many cameras do you think you had out in that general area? 12? Okay. Maybe? Yeah. 10? Dude, I that's think a, it was 10. 
that's the other thing of having like the buddy system whenever you're hunting a place it's like again going back to like what you tom and i are doing in that piece where mm-hmm. it's like alone i could have x amount of cameras out you know and no x right yeah. we'll just use that last big deer that showed up in november yeah right? like legit giant no matter like what state you're in big old united states of america buck <laughs> yeah like he's a big deer and we got him on video on my camera yeah but the cool thing is because we use the buddy system and you tom and i are all kind of using cameras together and sharing yep. intel we actually have him hitting a scrape line at a particular time frame mm-hmm. and almost have a time stamp layout of his night right you know in this particular of this particular day so yep. we now know kind of like how he's traveling because we yep. can see like when and where what scrapes he's hitting and when yeah which helps us as we think about getting ready to scout hunt late season and or scout and try to figure stuff out for next year and so it just gives you that many more cameras as long as you trust all the guys you're working with or whatever you know to kind of like start putting the puzzle pieces together on different deer yeah because you just can cast a much a much wider net yeah which is and it's been awesome. tons of, and like I said, this year for me has been one of the most fun years I've had hunting just because of the friendships like, oh yeah, for built sure. with you and with Tom and with Troy, like it, it's just been, it's just been tons of fun. And like, I guess it's easier for me to say I shot a nice buck. Right. Like, yeah. I'm going, I don't know, man. Mine hasn't been so great. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with you. I mean, it's like, there's a part of it that's like the fun is like, yeah, you get to fill a tag. It's great. You know, th- there's the other part of like the camaraderie of like genuinely having like hunting buddies that you're rooting for. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that you're, I mean, how many memes is there? Like, this is what I look like when my buddy shoots a deer and it's freaking true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, so it's like, that's, it's, it's always, and it's fun to like, you know, um, have buddies to kind of bounce ideas off of that. You have familiarity with a piece together that where it's like, you could kind of help start dissecting and bounce strategies off of each other and, and, and stuff like that just expedites the learning curve, you know, cause there's things that you think about. I don't think about, yeah. you know, there's things that Tom thinks about and having an intimate knowledge of the particular areas and stuff like that, that right. I'm overlooking. And there's things that maybe from using trail cameras, you know, that we're, that I'm able to share with him Absolutely. or whatever, you know, because I've run trail cameras quite a bit and, from learning from camera thing dialed well from learning from chad you know what i mean it's like i spent a lot of time with chad sylvester he owns a trail camera he owns exodus outdoor gear you know what i mean so it's like doesn't know he's talking about (laughs) yeah he does just shoot big deer um but you know spending so much time with him hanging trail cameras with him scouting with him it's like i started learning how to like decipher trail camera data and information to like hunt smarter you know essentially yep um you know so hopefully maybe i can help help with that but yeah so now I want to get to, you know, killing October bucks, man. Cause that's one of the things that, you know, I always tell myself every year. It's like my goal every year is to always try to kill an October buck. Because yeah. to me, that's, you know, one of the hardest things to do because you really have to know what the deer are going to want to do, what food they're moving to, what cover they're going to want to utilize. You're not, you know, I love hunting the rut. I love to travel to go hunt the rut. But there's obviously like a lot of randomness to it too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like you don't know what deer might walk by you. It could be a giant. Could right. not. You're be, totally right? funnel dependent. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, October is that time frame where even when you get into later October, they're still doing buck things and aren't driven by a doe necessarily. Like you have those time frames where it's like the first doe might be bred like around the 20th of October, and that's usually yeah. like you'll see a flurry of activity. 
Yeah. And that's actually become probably, man, I would be hard pressed to say that it's not my favorite time to hunt. It's my favorite time. Because it's like, I can still play the, I know what this deer is going to do. And their curiosity gets peaked just enough by like the breeding that's upcoming that they're willing to take more risks. It's almost better. Yeah. They're willing to take more risks. I still know what he wants to do and he's still going to be somewhat, I don't want to say predictable. You know, he's not on a bed to food, like, you know, summer pattern necessarily. Right. But he's also not, but he's using chasing his, his, his spot. Yeah. yeah. Wherever he's transitioned to for the fall, he's now in his spot and he's going to kind of start to, yep. you know, I'm trying to figure out how to say it, like rule his roost yeah. to a degree. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, and with that, he becomes a little bit vulnerable, mm-hmm. but still with enough predictability to where I can use what I've learned about that particular, a particular deer or a handful of particular deer that might be using a, a specific area or specific terrain features or specific scrapes or whatever. Doesn't right. have to be a single deer. Um, so it's becoming like one of my favorite times, favorite times to hunt. So let's talk about this hunt. You had an encounter with a killer deer early October. Is that what, you, is that yeah, what it was? Yeah. Early, uh, first week in October. First week, first week in October. So let's go like through the next, let's get to the the hunt for this, for this particular deer when it all kind of comes, comes together. Yeah. So you, we can just fast forward right to that last week in October. Now, did my... you have any other encounters like prior to that, like during October or was it uh, kind of lean after that first? Like... It was lean after that. I mean, small bucks, uh, right. and scrapes, the scrape thing was really big during, during the, I would say the second week in October. I, a lot of scrape activity where you could be like, Oh, I'm going to see a buck in daylight on a scrape. And you usually would like, but I didn't see anything, you know, a couple, maybe two year old scrubs or mm-hmm. whatever that, that were hitting scrapes. Um, still not like responding to grunt calls or anything like that. They're just doing their thing. Oh, I'm late to bed. Check this scrape. Oh, there yep. we go. You know, they're gone. Yeah. Um, I think I texted you that one day that I, I saw like a two year old eight pointer and, two does ended up bedding 20 yards away from me for like three hours had me in the tree. Right. I ended up snort wheezing and getting them to stand up and like walk down the hill. Cause they didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And they laid back down, yeah. but it was far enough that I could like get down and get out. Yeah. And they weren't that bothered. It was kind of, I was kind of like, hmm, right. no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had to snort wheeze, uh, a couple of does away in Kansas where I was like, you know, where clearly there was a doe yeah. and there was no buck with her. So she had already likely been bred. And I was yeah. like, I don't need you around here. Blow my cover and get out of here. here. You know, it's like, funny thing was, is one of them, I snort wheezed at her. She blew cause she got a little spooky. Yeah. And this was the morning I had like where I went to full draw on like a good buck, but I had four bucks come in after that. Like they heard her blow. Yeah. And Greg Litzinger and I have talked about this where it's like, sometimes he'll make a doe blow just to say that to give the signal that there's a deer in the area right. or there's a doe in the area. Yeah. Deer you don't know? care. No, it, it's like it, we sometimes I think give them more credit than they're due as far as like they blew and it's like, Oh, there's a human here. It's like, no, they just know that there's a deer over there and they've yeah, seen something. I think I've said it before. I've watched deer blow box turtles. Like they, they blow all the time. at something. Yeah. It depends on where that other deer is that that deer might spook. But right. If they're like, high tailing it past that deer and it's 50 yards away in the cover. It's probably not coming. Right. But if that deer blows and then just walks away or yeah. runs the other direction, even. And if you're talking about rut or a cruising buck, that buck's miles away. Probably yeah. don't even hear it. Yeah. So it's almost nothing to worry about. Yeah. But anyway, so October bucks. 
Yeah, you're, so you're, not not a lot. The scrape activity a little bit in the middle of October, but we get to that last week in October, and as most people in Pennsylvania know, this year was just not happening for cold fronts. It was just yeah. minor drops in temperature. This particular morning, it was a little bit more than it had been, but you know, it was it was fine. It was an average, mm-hmm. I would say, average October morning. It was a good win for where we wanted to go, and I was like, I had told Troy when we went into this spot with that scrape, I was like. We hung a camera in there and one of us gonna kill a deer at this scrape. And he was like, You think so? I'm like, No, no. We're killing a deer at this scrape. Like, <laughs> it's happening. I don't know which one of us is gonna be, but one of us is gonna kill a deer at this scrape. He's right. like, All right. And he had sat there on the opener and he had a little faux pas with his bow where he just like a, a pin had come out of his one cam and he couldn't draw his bow back. Oh jeez. He didn't realize it until noon, but thank goodness he like drew as a practice because mm-hmm. he probably would have seen that real big buck. Right, you know, and not been able to draw on it. Right, so he was like, "Oh man, I, I don't have any tools with me. You have any tools? I don't have any tools." Right, so bring Allen wrenches with you because he didn't have any tools and right had to go all the way back out to the truck. Didn't have any tools there, and he was just like, "I'm just gonna go hunt locally because I need tools to fix my bow." Right, so it was my turn to to, to hunt in this script at this scrape that I'd found and. Um, we actually were, it was three of us that were hunting out there, one of my buddies and, and Troy, and, um, we were all kind of hunting somewhere related to the cut, but pretty, pretty far back from the cut, mm-hmm. um, you know, between the, the, the buck bedding in this cut. So you were set up. So I was set up a little bit off this scrape, right? Okay. This, this scrape is in a, I would just say a really dense in woods. Like there are no trees that you can get in to look over this scrape. Now we've been back in there and with stuff off the, you know, we could maybe figure out something for next year. But when mm-hmm. you're in there in the summer, I mean, it's like vines. Yeah. It's, it's, in, it's almost impenetrable, but it's just that the deer have these trails historically run so hard through this little patch that, um, you know, they, they're in there all the time. Right. So, um, we found an area that was just outside of it where the trails ran diagonally in and out of this little patch of cover. And, um, I was like, you know, the wind's perfect for that. Like I'm going to sit that side of it. Normally we'd want the other side with a, like a, like a, some kind of South wind blowing mm-hmm. it out of that cover. I'm like, this time I'm going to sit on, you know, we had a North wind. I'm going to sit on this side. So we ended up, he ended up missing his alarm. He lives an hour away from this place. I don't know how he did it, but he made it to the, to the, to the parking lot. We were climbing our trees. And by the time we started climbing our trees, he was at the base of his tree. I don't know how he did it. He was like an hour behind <laughs> us. He must've been like running the whole way out there. Yeah. But, uh, um, we all end up getting set up 20, 30 minutes before light. You could, every, all of us could hear deer like chasing around and, you know, it's and last week in October, man, it's that. Mm-hmm. that little test in the waters kind of thing, you know, and there's deer chasing everywhere. And it, the moon was bright and I had just like sat back in my saddle and I could hear deer close. And I, my phone's like, bzz, 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 bzz. Oh, you know, deer I'm set. Right. Like you're set. I'm like, I'm not pulling my phone out. Cause I know there's a deer right over there. Right. And then I could see a deer moving its head in the moonlight. And then I could see some antlers and then it just stood still. And I'm like, all right, well, I got like 15 minutes of like Before, dark yeah. left. And I can't see that deer. But I could see there's a little buck there. And he's like 20 yards away. 
man. And it's thick, but this, this is the patch where I have a little hole, right? Mm-hmm. And I could hear him making a scrape. Like I could hear him go out a little bit, making a scrape. I saw him come back and he's just standing there. I'm like, all right, now there's two minutes left, you know? Oh, right. Come on. And, uh, it gets light. Now I can see that he's brown. I'm like, I could see the brown on him. I'm like, okay, well, I guess if I can see color, it's probably shooting light. Right. So I like, pull out my phone. Oh, it's shooting light. Okay. So he's just standing there and just like stare. I mean, like a statue except for his head, just moving his head around, moving his head around. And I think it's because I ended up coming in off the access like a little too far. And I ended up crossing some trails in the mm. dark and I was like, Oh great. Like he's all like he's picking up a ground scent yeah. up because I crossed his ground scent. But I had, I, I don't remember if I sent you the picture, but I took a picture of the scrape in the dark that I, one of these, another, a brand new one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, that is, that thing is tore up. And I, you know, saw the tracks and I'm like, man, there's some, something big in that and he was on that this little buck was on that scrape so this buck start i didn't realize that i had set up the tree that i set up was set for a trail that was closer to this other scrape that i the this this community scrape that i had my camera on and i was set up for like a broad like a 15 yard broadside shot to this trail Mm -hmm. but there was another trail and it was like straight on my tree but i didn't see it in dark because it was you know it kind of went out to the side a little bit, mm-hmm. um, maybe like five or 10 yards off to the, to the left of my tree here. And this little buck starts walking on it. So he's coming from the North, right? Mm-hmm. Straight on to me. And I'm like, Oh boy, he's going to just go down that trail and he's going to bust me. Like right. and I, now I can hear other deer behind him. And I'm like, Oh great. Like what's going to happen now? And he's, instead of coming straight past me to win me, he's kind of like going out to the side and like trying to, you know, lip curl and like get a scent. And then he would get nervous and kind of go back to where he started. So after, I think it got to like seven, 10 after seven, something like that. So now I've been watching this little buck for like 25 minutes or whatever. And um, this, I could see... I could see big antlers coming through the bushes and I could hear him like rubbing trees, whatever. And I'm like, Oh boy, here, this is cause I was half tempted to shoot that little deer. I was like, <laughs> you're going to stick well, around here. You might just, I'm not get... a procrastinator, man. I like those October bucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, I was like, man, if he sticks around and then, then I could see this, this other one coming. And as soon as I saw him, I was like, that's that 10 pointer we have had on camera. Like constant, like we had checked our cameras like two times before the season. We had so many pictures of him and he was on my buddy's cell cam a bunch of times. Like that is that 10 pointer. Like there he is. I'm like, okay. So that little buck's going to come past me. And that, cause this little buck ends up being like 30 yards in front of him. Mm-hmm. And this big buck, you could tell is just like, I'm not doing anything until you do something, you know? Right. And, um, Using the old canary in the yeah, mine shaft, yeah. for sure. And this little buck keeps going out to my side, going out to my side, going out to my side. And it you can tell it's just like it would get to a certain spot and then it would skip back. And then it would get to a certain spot and it would skip back. And eventually this 10-pointer gets to a spot in this trail and he's 20 yards straight on to me. And I'm like, well, I can't see him because there's a tree with all this stuff, like branches. I'm like, he just needs to go like three yards to the left and I can, I, I could probably get a broadside shot if he would turn and go that way. Mm -hmm. Like this little buck was doing. 
And finally the little buck grows a pair and walks past me and I'm like, mm, here it goes. And I hear him <laughs> and the big buck, the, the 10 pointer just jumps to the side, but he jumped instead of like jumping backwards, he jumps out to the, to the left a little bit, but right. he doesn't turn broadside. He just jumps the way he is and just is straight on. Now he's like 15 yards and I lean out in my saddle and I'm like, turn, turn, turn. And I had my bow, like I drew my bow at that time when, when he jumped, I drew it cause he was distracted. Right. And he's looking around like, what the heck's he afraid of? Like, I don't smell it. He was had his nose in the air. Like I don't smell anything. What's. And when he, I was like, well, it's either 15 yards straight on or he's gone. Right. So I, um, I settled my pin. I felt really confident in a 15 yard shot like that. And I, hit him in the right, like on the inside of the right shoulder and it came out through his left groin. That hurts. Uh-huh. <laughs> there is not a lot of vital organs left after a shot like that. If you can pull it off. No, you pretty much cleaned him out. Yeah. Yeah. But I heard him run off and I didn't hear him crash. And the, and the shot, I was like, shot sounded good. Like I didn't hear a crack. Like I hit his brisket or something and, right. or his shoulder. It was just a soft, thunk, you know, and I'm like, and you could hear like the like when you pop through the diaphragm, right? You know, that, that little pop. Yeah. Thump, yep. And I'm like, I, I think it was a good. I don't know. And but you, I think in your mind you get nervous because you everybody's start, like, "Don't shoot a frontal shot. Don't shoot a frontal shot." It's funny that you say that because like I've always kind of thought that, right? And the one deer, the second deer, I had the encounter with the big one. I had the encounter with. I guess it was like the 18th of October. Mm -hmm. I didn't draw back because all I had was a, a frontal shot. He was yeah. head on to me. You and one other buddy this year both had frontal shots and just like cleaned their clock. Dan Johnson shot that that giant. Well, that's three then. Right? Yeah. So you had one. My uh, my buddy Cameron from Exodus had had a. I think he had okay. a frontal. I think the one he killed in Ohio had a frontal. Like while we were in Kansas, and yeah, you Dan Johnson and and Cameron. It's not a shot that you should really take it like thirty yards or. I mean, maybe if you're, you know, I, I, I mean, my max range, I'm shooting it like, like out to 70 when I'm practicing. So right. I probably wouldn't take a 30 yard shot because that's getting close to my max. Like I would shoot a deer broadside at 40, maybe, right. you know, cause mine is like, mine is like right around 30 to yeah. 35, depending on like yeah. what is in between me and the deer potentially, but exactly. that's about my I mean, max a lot, range in the for woods. a whitetail. A lot can happen between you for and sure. 40 yards for sure. So I'm I'm saying like max maybe forty on a relaxed deer in a field. Yeah. No exactly. Wind, you know? Yeah. A frontal shot's not something that I normally would be like, yeah, I'll, I'll take that any day. But I wasn't that high in the tree. So I knew that my my angle wasn't gonna be really steep. Right out through the bottom of the right. brisket. I think yeah. I was only twelve feet right. in that tree. Maybe maybe a little higher. But I think twelve feet is probably mm -hmm. a good bet. So my angle's not like ridiculous at 15 yards. It's almost mm -hmm. flat. And I kept, be, I kept drawing my bow and be like, yeah, it's pretty flat. Yeah. That, that looked pretty. I'm, I'm sure it's, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I didn't hear him crash when he ran off and that, mm -hmm. that bothered me a little bit. I'm like, yeah, I didn't hear him fall over. You know, well, my ears aren't that good. I don't know. Right. So I'm like texting everybody and my reception sucks. And I think I got something. I called my wife and I'm like, I, I think I just shot the 10 pointer. I don't know how my shot was. And my, my, one of my best friends that I've been hunting with forever, I text him and he actually ended up, we ended up doubling that day, you know, nice, shot a nice buck, but 
So after like an hour and a half, I get down. One of my buddies that was with us um, uh, met met me on met me like halfway into the woods. Like he knew where I was. So he right. kind of came down in here and he's like, I had started following the blood trail, didn't find my arrow, and I'm like, oh great, like yeah, like did not because you're thinking like. I think with it, with, even with my angle not being that steep, you would have thought that it would come out like center chest or something, and you would have had like an exit right below the the sternum or something. And right. I didn't have my arrow, and I'm like, oh boy, and then just like a piece of meat, and I'm like, ooh, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Then a little drop of blood, ooh, just like every ten feet there was a drop of blood, and I got to like twenty yards now, and now it's like more drops of blood, big patch of blood meet up with my buddy now it's like a straight line and i'm like okay well that's good mm-hmm. and i look and i see a brown back and the antlers sticking up and I'm like, <laughs> holy yeah. and i like run over the deer and he's like what are you looking at and i'm like and i come i like i think i the deer made it like 70 yards maybe and i had run like 35 yards because i saw this deer that 35 yards out and he's like did you find it? And I'm like, he's right. He's dead. <laughs> I'm like freaking out. And he's like, all right. You know, nice. we go to this thing. And, and, uh, that's when we saw like my arrow kind of hanging out his left groin. It had gone the whole way through. Mm-hmm. And when he, he fell on the arrow. So the arrow backed up a little bit and went up and was poking the other shoulder. Okay. So, I mean, it just like zigzagged up in there. Yeah. So no chance on, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I know, I knew exactly which buck that was when I saw him coming, which is, I've never been able to do, I've never been like, I know that buck. Right. That's awesome. Like I had so many, and I've never, like I had last year, the buck that I shot, I had like one trail cam picture that hindsight, I was like, Oh look, I have a picture of that In year. hindsight, right. Where you're like, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, this guy, I was this like, one you saw, you knew who it was. The I moment knew who you saw it was. It. And I had sent you and Tom pictures of this yep. year pre preseason and you know, he was showing up on a cell cam not far away, like the week before, like the last, like half an hour before dark that, you mm-hmm. know, and like, I'm like, he's in here somewhere. He's in here somewhere. Right. And, um, it was just really gratifying to like go through all that with a, with a couple, cause actually the other guy that was with us, he, he lives in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he actually was home for like three weeks during bow season. And uh, he came home a weekend during the summer to do some scouting with me. And we put like 13 miles in hanging some cameras too. So right. it was really, really cool because it was a moment for all of us. Right. Right. Like they all come in a deer. Oh, you know, and we, we quartered him out and, 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 and packed him out. And it was just, it was a cool experience to get to share it with, with some buddies and, and be like, Look at all these pictures we had of that deer already. Like right, that yeah, was yeah. the best part for you, all of us. And you right? just spend the day doing it, taking care or whatever. It just becomes like the yeah. You know that's the the the. You best shoot part one, your buddy shoots one too. Yeah, you right? just spend the day kind of taking care of it and just in, enjoying yeah. it, telling stories. Yeah. And, and what was cool is like you know we had learned that what we found with this scrape that I had found in in the spring was is that was the central hub right mm. like everything came through that spot at some point but it wasn't always the best spot to hunt because okay. there like there was a pretty defined way that these deer would travel around this part of the cut cuz we would get 
the big buck that I had an encounter with, we would always get him like out to the edge of what I would call this maybe a semicircle of travel, right? Mm-hmm. We would get him out on the edge of this and then in that central location. And we would get my buck in this central location and out to the end of this. And you would kind of get that, but they were all kind of shifting in that same general direction. Right. And then they would all, you know, either meet here or meet here. So there was, I would say maybe there's two points of, of interest. Um, but it was really cool to like learn that and then like really figure out the time that they were going to be in that spot. Right. And he was going back to bed. Like he was checking scrapes. Is that what he, is that what was, he was checking scrapes going back to bed. Nice. Um, like I said, that scrape that I passed in the dark, he was on it. The day before, we ended up having pictures of him the day before on the scrape that I was hunting in particular, like the one that I went there for. Right. He was he was on that scrape the day before and on this scrape that day. They were kind of in line. He just wins. Di- wins different those two days. No, they were the same. Were they? Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I, uh, the one was like northwest, and I was hunting in northeast. Okay, so maybe he was checking. <laughs> yeah. One might have been just better for the northwest wind for him. Maybe yeah. one was better for the northeast. Yeah. You know. It seemed they liked that area. Any any north wind any seemed north to wind? be a, uh, a favorite. Hmm. South, they were like hit and miss more in the evenings, but you wouldn't always get them. Right. What do you think? What was the key to killing this deer, in your opinion? I mean, the, the spring aside, time- aside from like, you know, obviously like a hot scrape you know, or a great scrape, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like that, that notwithstanding, like, what do you think it was that you did or what was it in your approach that? I think it was really, you know, I think, uh, well, obviously it's all the time that you spend in it, but I think the spring, the spring scouting for me is what kills bucks. Mm -hmm. Um, You find those areas and then you learn those areas and then you learn what's in those areas, like what food is going to be there and then understanding when they might use that food when they might be using the sign that they're making. Cause I mean, you go in there and it's, it's all sign. Mm -hmm. Like there's rubs everywhere. The scrapes are a little bit more defined, but like if you pick a deer trail, you're not going to like there, there's trails everywhere. Right. Like littered. So I think, you know, for me, it's a spring scouting. And then I think edges are a big thing learning those edges and then learning why they would want to travel those learning the food that are along those edges or inside those edges. Um, what would make them run into that cover that, you know, this patch of cover that that scrapes in is really dense, maybe like a 30 yard circle, mm-hmm. but then around that there's like maybe a hundred yard, uh, density of brush and maybe a 200 yard circle of a little bit less dense mm-hmm. area. Why would they be in those areas? What's making them, what's pushing them in further into those areas? Um, the, I think the water hole was a big thing because mm. it's, it's kind of um, once those, once, if any, if, if it's dry out in the cut and there's not that, you know, um, standing water in there, what's the next water source? Um, that was, I think that, that was pretty big. There's not a lot of moving water in there. The, the closest moving water is, um, maybe a hundred yards away, but usually that's pretty on the dry side too. Right. Um, you know, maybe it only has a little trickle or nothing at all. Right. So, um, water on the mountaintop is down, down low, unless you can find one of those mountaintop swamps or something that you like. Right. Um, or that we find in, in the Livonia, 
Yeah. Um, in the old LV. The old LV. You got a hot LV. Yeah. It's the LC. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Well, I was stoked whenever you, when I got your, when I got your text. I think I was actually in the woods when I got your text, if I'm not mistaken. You were, yeah. Yeah. That was a good day, man. Oh, that, that was yeah. a nice morning. Yeah. Um, I was super pumped. I was super pumped for you. I think um, I called you on my way home. I think, yeah, we definitely talked that day. I know yeah. I got the text. And I'm pretty sure I was in the woods, and I think we talked. I don't remember if I called you or you we called me. We talked at some point. I don't remember yeah. what time it was. So now that you got that, you know, that out of the way, you know, got the buck out of the way, What's uh, what are your plans for, for late season? What's going I, on there? I'm a full-blown meat hunter right now, man. Full-blown meat hunter? Full-blown meat hunter. I, like I said, I shot a doe on, on Sunday hunting. Sunday hunting in Sunday Pennsylvania. Sunday in Pennsylvania. There's actually a bill out there, I think, to call your representative or email them. That's right. Harass um, them. Get the details from the, the backcountry hunters and anglers. Mm-hmm. They, they got a lot of info on their uh, their blog on that. Um, but no, I, I shot one already. I have uh, four tags left. Yeah, four doe tags left. I hope to fill at least two or three of those. Mm-hmm. Maybe more. I don't know. There you go. I'll donate something, I guess. I, right. <laughs> We'll see. You'll be moving a lot of deer meat whenever know, you go to move. I, my <laughs> wife was like, what are we going to do with all that? I'm like, we're going to put it in coolers and move the freezer to your parents' house, and it's going in the cooler until we move, or in the freezer. freezer until yeah, we move. exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, so there's two in the freezer now. Um, Bow shot two of them. I Like I said, I, um, I didn't really want to uh, transport all my my processing supplies up to my parents house to to do one while we were trying to sell our house right and i didn't think demonstrations would be a would be a hot selling point so right (laughs) (laughs) maybe samples i don't know right yeah samples exactly (laughs) yeah man i think uh for me for late season it's um you know i still have a buck tag to fill Mm -hmm. you know and uh I've not given up on the season, but I, I always kind of try to use late season as like an opportunity to like hunt slash start, get an early jump on the spring. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think headed back up to that piece we've been spending time on, I think is in the cards for me for late season. Uh, I'm in. Yeah. Only because, yeah. only because, you know, I, I don't like a lot of what I had around here, like has, hasn't been, back on camera, you know, which yeah. has been pretty typical for me for around here. It's like usually, you know, if I don't get it done by like the first week of November around here, like they get pretty skittish, you know, yeah. um, I'll spend a little bit of time. I'm not going to head up to that, that piece necessarily every weekend. So I'll certainly spend a little bit of time out here trying to figure out where they, where they're hold, holding up. But just the inventory that we've had on camera. Like I really want to go up there and spend some time, yeah, you know, and hunt late season and use it as a way to start to get a jump yeah. on, you know, figuring out where deer want to spend their days in daylight. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. You know, cause they should be in theory somewhat transitioning back to those areas that have food right. slash cover, like right. all the things that they're going to want in early fall, you yeah. know, you know, before they make their transition into, you know, their, their rut ranges or whatever the case is, you know, it's like, so if we can figure out what they're doing late season, you know, where the food might be during that time frame or where they want to daylight during that time period, probably give us a good chance or a good idea of where they might be spending their daylight time, you know, during the, during the course of the fall. Cause that right now that's the, that's the puzzle piece that we have to solve up there. We, we know that they're there. Right. 
We know that there are some big ones that we have to chase. Now it's just a matter of narrowing down what their what their fall range really kind of looks like and where they're daylighting. Yeah, and I mean the other thing the other thing with late season too is you're still working off of deer that got pushed into certain areas from mm-hmm. the rifle season, right? Yep. I was actually talking about that today with a buddy. Is um, there's a spot that I have that is great in the middle of October. It's on a scrape, but they get pushed back there in rifle season, and you I actually get new bucks on there towards the middle or end of the rifle season. Last mm-hmm. year I had a really big 10 pointer on. Um, and, uh, I had him on twice during the rifle season and once was on the last day. Right. And when I went to pull that camera in the middle of the day last year, my wife and I took a hike and I'm like, let's go pull that camera because it's, it may, it gets harder to get to in the, in the snow or whatever. It's mm-hmm. not easy to get to. Like, let's go pull that camera before it gets too late. So I went and pulled that camera and that buck was 60 yards away from that camera, just standing there, <laughs> still back there, right? This was right. the last day of the muzzleloader season when I saw that deer. So he had gotten pushed in that area in rifle season and was still using it yeah. during the late season. It was weird because it's like no acorns, strictly browse. Mm-hmm. So that buck was either that was his wintering area or he really did get pushed back in there and wasn't going anywhere for a while. Right. And, um, that's just kind of a spot that also just reloads with deer. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's a nice bedding area in there, but what I sent one of my buddies in there the other day and he, he killed his second buck on with a second buck period back there. It was, uh, on the last day of the bow season. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, thinking of those areas where they get pushed to after the rifle season is a good yeah. strategy too. Yeah. I know one of the places locally has, you know, whenever I was in there, the one, the one big deer, um, there was a lot of white oaks in there, but there were a ton of red oaks in there. And so I know yeah. like for me, it's like, that's going to be a spot of interest for me to see if maybe, cause I'm pretty sure he's not bedded far from there. Cause I had him like right on the cusp of, you know, daylight as he was working his way back to bed, hitting a yeah. scrape or whatever. And there's just a shit pile of red oak acorns that are in just that general area. That's not so much in other spots. There's really two spots on the side of like these different cuts yeah. that are loaded with acorns. So it's he's he's one or the other. Yeah. Like those, the those red oaks in the, in that winter, winter time period are just money. Like yeah. They, they, that's what they're, as long as they don't have bugs. For. And I checked them to yeah. make sure they didn't have bugs. At least yeah. they didn't have them whenever I was walking through checking in the, you yeah. know, during the, during the fall, we'll have to, make a plan to go in and kind of check them, scout my way in and see if they have, see yeah. if they're still viable or not. But if they are, then I know where I'll be spending a little bit of time, at least locally. Yeah. And I would say, you know, I think we, you and I hung that camera in April in, in Livonia. Mm-hmm. Um, that area is just full of brows. Yep. And we had a lot of wintertime bucks on that, on that camera. We did because yeah. Exactly. There was a pile of them yeah. in there as they were just popping nubs. And I know, right. Yeah. They didn't have antlers, yeah. but I mean, we have one or two pictures where it's just like four or five bucks just mm-hmm. going along and eating the brows on that logging road that, that, yep. that was on. Right. Yep. And I mean that the cover in that is, it's perfect for late season for cold stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, the only, if you, when you get on the backside of that too, they have some decent thermal cover. Exactly. As well. Yeah. So, yeah, and you you know you have. We've always said that that there that's there's not a lot of topography there, but that that's is the a place one spot that, that has, has like a little bit. 
Yeah. Where they could, um, you know, hide from a, uh, you know, a north wind or, yeah, you know, hide from something. When you get on the backside yeah. of that too, I think there's a bunch of cedars in pond, like uh, shitty little scrub pines yeah. and stuff that are back there right. too, if yep. I'm not mistaken. Yep. So. Minus the uh, recreational traffic. Yes. Which maybe, that. did they, is that the place where Tom said you can't ride bikes anymore? Uh, I'm you, not sure. You can't, can't do so. No, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, actually, I think it is. He no, sent no, us no, a no, picture no. of some sign that you can't. I think it was up actually in the other. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Because he wanted to pedal his ass off out there. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, we've been rolling here just a little over an hour. I want to be sensitive to your time. I know you have a little bit of a drive home. Um, I appreciate you driving out to do this in person. It's always good to see your yeah, always good to see your mug, man. Yeah, you too, buddy. And uh looking forward to some late season hunting with you. You know, you're hunting, scouting, yeah, filming yeah. pictures. Yeah, dude. It's uh you know, now that you got your buck tag filled, if if I go up for a late season hunt, you want to come along, you know, I'm with you. We can jump in a tree together, do a little filming, Let's a little scouting. Because my plan is really to go up, scout during the day, and then find a place and hunt hunt the evening yeah is really like the kind of yeah. the strategy for that that way i think, get a little yeah i think in. that's a great plan because i think after i'm gonna be sitting in a doe day spot on saturday i just talked to the um talked to the farmer that i hunt with and i'm sitting in a doe day spot so after this weekend i think my wife's gonna be a little bit burnt out from bloody tables and cleaning processing equipment <laughs> well there's worse worse things to be tired of yeah yeah you can always bring it over here i'll take care of you. at least i can cook it you know that's there you go <laughs> that's maybe that's the trade you help me clean it i'll cook it yeah be good yeah awesome brother well i appreciate you coming out and uh congrats again on the killer buck thank you buddy super happy for you appreciate and it. uh looking forward to spending some uh some winter and spring with you in the trailer let's do it all right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. And hell, while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there, too. I'd be super appreciative if you'd be able to do those two things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout-out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skullbrew Coffee Company, and Maven Optics. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.